Hello and welcome to Truth Talks, brought to you by South African author, theologian and church leader, Dr. Christopher Pepler. The title of this Truth Talk is Jesus Gave Full Meaning to the Law of Moses. In his great Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gave full meaning to the Law of Moses. And in doing this, he exercised his divine prerogative of interpreting Scripture by explaining how to properly understand the Old Testament law. Now, I'm aware that many people struggle to accept the truth that God is Jesus. Most believers, however, also have difficulty accepting that Jesus and not the Bible is the source of truth. And even among the Jesus-centered Christian community, there are several, perhaps most in fact, who do not fully embrace the idea that Jesus is the preeminent interpreter of Scripture. So in this podcast, I addressed this issue. Jesus, the interpreter of the Bible. Now, I'm certainly not going to attempt yet another commentary on the Sermon on the Mount, but rather I want to focus on the subject at hand, Jesus, the interpreter of Scripture. The Sermon on the Mount starts with the Beatitudes, but the crux of the teaching comes in Matthew 5:17 to 18 where Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. I think it's quite likely that the scribes and Pharisees had accused Jesus already of attempting to do away with the law of Moses, because this bold declaration of his refutes this claim. In any event, the Lord Jesus set the first part of his sermon as an interpretation of the Mosaic law, You see, Moses met with God on a mountain, and Jesus, God the Son, met with his people on what Matthew describes as a mountainside. On Mount Sinai, Moses received Ten Commandments, and on the mountainside of Galilee, Moses' heirs received Ten Affirmations. The Sermon on the Mount starts with eight Beatitudes. These are called Beatitudes because they all begin with the words blessed. However, in the context of what Jesus went on to preach, blessed doesn't really mean just happy or favored, and it certainly doesn't necessarily mean prosperous. I think the best understanding of the Greek word used here is that it describes those who experience the highest good. Blessed are those. Those who experience the highest good are, and he describes them. So the Beatitudes are, in this sense, affirmations of righteousness, rather than promises of any particular material blessing and so on. But why do I say there are ten affirmations? Well, it might be a bit of a stretch, but it appears to me that in this sermon, Jesus purposefully placed his teachings in relation to the Ten Commandments. So it seems right to me to include salt and light in Matthew 5, 13 to 16 as affirmations 9 and 10. So that would be the, the first eight, which we call Beatitudes, and then the story or the, the illustration of salt and light, and then those make the last two, because they are also descriptions of those who experience the highest good. Jesus started the Sermon on the Mount with descriptions of the state of true disciples. Ten Commandments identified the Old Testament Israelites. The Ten Affirmations identified what the people of God were supposed to be all along in all generations. Those who humbly trust God. Those who suffer for their loyalty to Him. Who are meek. Who desire relationship with God. Who are merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, righteous, salted with wisdom and light bearers of truth. In other words, 
those who truly fulfill the law of Moses. Now, what did Jesus mean by fulfill? The three main ways in which theologians understand this word fulfill are to obey, or to complete, or to bring out the full meaning of something. Well, Jesus certainly did obey the Old Testament law, so he fulfilled it in that sense. And he certainly did bring to completion everything the law and the prophets required of the Messiah. So he completed them in that sense. But he also brought out the full and correct meaning of the law. And this is just what he did in this great sermon. And to make this clear, he proceeded to correctly interpret and give the full underlying meaning of the sixth and seventh commandments about murder and adultery. He started those expositions, as he did other examples, with the words, you have heard that it was said. In other words, you have heard it in the law of Moses. And then he followed this up with, but I tell you. Now, interestingly, there was a Jewish expectation at that time based on Isaiah 2.3 and Jeremiah 31 verses 31 to 34, that the long-awaited Jewish Messiah would provide a definitive exposition of the law. He would be the great rabbi who would come, and more than anyone before him would tell the people what the law really meant. And this is what Jesus did, both in his sermon and in his other teachings. In each instance, Jesus shifted the focus from a behavior regulated by the law to an attitude governed by the new law of love. For instance, he did not abrogate the commandments, you shall not murder, but he rather revealed the inner attitudes that can result in murder. So right at the outset, Jesus was careful to state that he had not come to do away with the teachings of Scripture, but to fulfill them. And he made this very clear by stating that the law would remain valid until the end of time as we know it. However, he made it equally clear from his subsequent interpretation of the law that this eternal law must be correctly understood. His insistence on properly understanding the meaning and purpose of the law comes out in bold statement that reads as follows. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachings of the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. That's Matthew 5.20. The word righteousness as used here, carries the meaning of conforming to the revealed will of God. God's word translation of the Bible substitutes the words, has God's approval, where other translations like the Good News translation uses the phrase, more faithful than. But the idea here is this, that it's not that Jesus' followers need to be more meticulous in their legal adherence to the law, but that they needed to be more faithful than the scribes and Pharisees in understanding and living out its true dictates. So in conclusion, you know, I've been blessed by studying the Sermon on the Mount once again, and my appreciation of both the Lord Jesus and the Bible has increased even more. I've learned some new things that I'd not previously known. Things like that in the rabbis of the time of Jesus commonly used salt as an image for wisdom. Paul uses in this kind of sense in Colossians 4, 6 as well. So, if a disciple loses his saltiness, as in Matthew 5, 13, it's therefore one who has become foolish. He has no more wisdom. In the context of the Sermon on the Mount, this would equate to a Jesus follower who does not understand and apply the true underlying meaning of the law as Jesus revealed it to be. So, this then makes contextual sense of verse 19 where he talks about breaking, and a better translation would be loosening. That's as per Young's literal translation. So let me read it to you in the English Standard Version. 
In verse 19, it reads as follows. Therefore, whoever relaxes, that's loosens, one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So the bottom line of all of this is that one of the reasons Jesus came to earth was to teach the correct meaning of the scriptures. And so we need to ensure that we follow, teach, and apply his understanding. Then we will be great in his kingdom. But if we don't understand the meaning of, of the word of God as Jesus reveals it, then surely we'll be least in his kingdom. Now, this is why I'm so passionate about interpreting the Bible from a Jesus perspective, which I call the Christocentric principle, and why I'm so dedicated to passing this on in books and articles in whatever way I can, because I think it's so important that we understand how to interpret the scriptures from a Jesus perspective, and that we teach others to do likewise. If you want to know more about this, please go to my website. It's truthistheword.com. One word, truthistheword.com. And there you'll find articles and podcasts, and you'll find my book there as well under the publication section. It's a book of the same title, Truth is the Word, where I lay out what I know and what I understand about Jesus as the source of truth and Jesus as the interpreter of the word of truth, the scriptures. God bless you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Truth Talks from Truth is the Word Ministry. If you'd like to share your views, read up on related topics, or purchase one of Dr. Pepler's books, please visit his blog on truthistheword.com. And remember, truth talks.